Welcome to Go Additive, where your hosts combine their real-world professional 3D printing experience to deliver valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Go Engineer's own Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. Oh my goodness. We need to get you some headphones. I need some headphones. I'm just realizing now that like we have a camera here recording us. All the things we've been letting go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the fact I don't have headphones. Your setup right now looks so legitimate. And here I am looking like a bum off the street <laughs> with my little mic. So we've got. Um, Are we going to get speakers in here? Um, or just to do everything through headphones? I don't think we're going to do speakers. I don't know. Hadn't thought about it. We what could. What do the pros do? We should put some speakers in here just to get some music. I like, feel like <clears throat> coming into that music, but I guess if you have he headphones, it's the same thing. But it's been a while since I've gotten to experience the full thrill of our intro music. I know, right? I'm sure everyone else is sick of it by now. But So what we've been doing is I have the headphones on. I can hear the intro music. Tate can't. So I've been taking my headphones off and then holding them up in the air. And what's ridiculous about this right now is that we're testing out a recording setup, a video recording setup. So technically we could be streaming right now. We're not, but this is our first test of the technology. And so we can, we can see ourselves and, ooh, you look so good I'm right wearing now. a hat. You look so good. Thanks, dude. But I look just ridiculous holding headphones up in the air for about 15, 20 seconds. Yeah. It's like you're trying to hold the little boom box in the air playing me a love song or something like that. What movie is from that? Is that from? It's an 80s rom-com. It's not Breakfast Club. Say Anything? I think it's Say Anything. I don't know. I actually just had this conversation with someone like last week and I still don't remember. It's it. iconic and anyone a few years older than me I, I think would know right away. For sure. Because the movie came out before I was born. I'm pretty sure. I think it's say anything. It doesn't matter. That's here nor there. <laughs> we're, an, we're an additive manufacturing podcast. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Although so, we do get off track pretty often. Uh-huh. Speaking of which, what did I... There was something I was going to bring up. You had so many... Like, you were... Yesterday, you seemed excited. You're like, dude... I can't wait till our next recording. I have some stuff. Yeah, it was printing related stuff. But there was one thing that was outside of printing that I wanted to talk about. And I can't think of it. So we're just going to have to go. Do you have anything you want to talk about? Um, yeah. Okay. Jump into it. One, we painted the walls. I just want to give some updates. We painted okay. the walls in here. Yeah, Which, the if media we were room. live action, you could see how bad of a job we did. No, 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 no. It looks great. But, oh, this is what I wanted to talk about. You learned a new technique yesterday. Oh, yeah. Okay, so speaking of painting. All right, so if you don't already know this, which I didn't, when you paint walls, there's a technique to it. Of course. Of course there's a technique. Which there's becomes, a technique to everything. Yeah, well, and I knew it. When we were starting painting, I was like, I bet a pro painter would look at the way we're doing this right now. That's exactly what you said. You're an idiot or you both are idiots, but mostly me because you actually knew this technique 
this certain one, mm-hmm. which I will reveal, mm-hmm. is called the W, the w. pattern. What does the W look like? It looks like the letter W. So when you're paint, when you're rolling on paint, which I was an idiot doing from top to bottom. Yeah. On like, what are these 10 foot ceilings? Nine feet. Nine footers. And maybe 10 feet. They I was going feet. top to bottom and it was horrible. Uh, we're getting lines and streaks in this. Oh, by the way, I should mention we painted with a dark paint. It's gray. It, it, it's called it's like, Shadow Mountain. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> All these names. So this shadow mountain color, it's pretty dark. And we have reasons for doing it dark, right? Yeah. But we want it to absorb. This light. is a video studio. So you want to control, you want to have control over the light, which means you want as few reflections as possible. This will help. It's not, it's not the ideal. It's not perfect, but it actually is a good compromise because it looks great in the background itself, right? If Right if now, we, yeah. Because we're cutting out the top where the lights from the ceiling would reflect on these zebra stripes. Yeah, it's not that bad. It's impossible. Which I challenge me... I challenge anyone. If oh, you've painted a wall okay. and it has a sheen other than flat and it's perfect under harsh lighting conditions, no streak marks or change in sheen or anything, send us a photo and we'll print you apart. Oh. Because it's not going to happen. With their choice of material or technology? Sure. Uh, Okay, that brings, that's a perfect segue into the update of what technologies we even have available right now. Okay. Um, The F770 is still idle. It's not even plugged in. We are waiting on some components that are in a box somewhere in the universe. Yep. They are in transit. We just don't know necessarily where. Can can you still say it's in transit if it's motionless somewhere? We don't we don't know if there's motion. We don't know <laughs> if there's a commotion. We don't know anything other than it's not at our loading dock. I think it's sitting peacefully in a warehouse underneath several other boxes now. Perhaps it could be, but we Rest need that peace. box in order to kind of get things cooking with the F770 which yep. I'm very anxious to do because we have a, we have several people here that are, are like, man, we need scooters at this new office. Yeah. And I have a plan for mm, scooters, mm. electric scooters, and the frame and chassis will be printed on that F770. I have a bunch of artwork and other art projects I want to do for the office. Nice. And with uh, the build volume on that, so the XY is 24 inches by 39.4 39.4 inches You're which welcome. is sort of annoying i knew it because the one dimension is a perfect uh integer in mm-hmm. inches and then the other dimension is a perfect integer in I millimeters i have heard that word since middle school integer yeah I don't even think that came up in college. They're whole numbers. Okay. They're perfect whole numbers. Yeah. 24 inches and 1000 millimeters, which is annoying to me. I think it's beautiful. I don't. It's, it's beautiful. It's trying to, it's like we're holding hands across the ocean. We've got, it, it, we're, we're clasped in the imperial system on the American side and we're kind of hovering over the Atlantic and we've got clasped hands over on the European side and we're trying to join the two. We're trying to join the world. Think together. of it this way. World peace. (laughs) 
Wow. You for world peace, Mr. What? Hater of Canada. (laughs) You don't want to say anything about that? You don't want to defend yourself? I plead the fifth, which they don't have in Canada. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) so for the way I look at it is maybe they could have set it at 39 to give you that nice hard stop on an inch. Uh Uh-huh. But I look at that point four like a bonus. They're trying to give us everything they can. I think they should have gone up to 40 inches. What if they were limited by the linear motors? Maybe. Which is cause for excitement, by the way. The linear that's actually, motors are Yeah, that's neat. actually a good point. Maybe they had to source that and it only came in a thousand millimeter travel. They would be smart if they were buying as many components off the shelf as possible. And, and buying high quality European components. Is that the only place you can get high quality components? I'm just saying. Europe? Obviously it came from... You've had a European car. How'd that go for you? Well, it was a fine German car. And actually, Germany <laughs> is the <laughs> home was so of... bad. He was telling me every weekend how he had to change things out, water pumped. Oh, he's sad right now. I'm sorry. It was an older vehicle. It wasn't that old. I've had two German vehicles. I've had it was a Volkswagen. Yeah. And I've had a BMW. And I actually do. And I enjoyed both of them, especially the interiors of each car were great. The ride was great. But other than the rattles and sounds that you could hear every time you went over a pothole. <laughs> it had a stiff suspension. Okay. Enough about the yeah. battles of uh, the engineering battles of the country. Um, let's keep running through our updates. So okay. the exact metal system has completed several successful prints. Yeah, we're just printing. Okay, so I went to Integza's YouTube page okay. and found his Aerospike video, which we had talked about, yep. I think one of them. And he had printed a ceramic Aerospike in an earlier video. So he was using a DLP printer with a photopolymer that had ceramic particles in it, printing a green part, putting it in his little sintering furnace, centers it down, all of the polymer evaporates. It's probably the wrong word for it, but it disappears. Part consolidates it down. It vaporizes. Yeah. Part consolidates down, it shrinks down, and you end up with a ceramic part, but it was porous and had all sorts of other issues. And uh, so when we got that printer, that was one of the first things I wanted to do was test out one of these uh, prints. So we've been printing. We, I think we have 15 of them now. And Whoa. Yeah, we've just been printing them. Wow. All right. Two and, just to keep the printer busy. and Yeah, we've been printing two or four at a time. And I wanted, and I, I still will, let him know like, hey, we have one of these if you want to use it. But in the meantime- Not only do we have one, we have 15. We have several. And it's too bad we're not printing in Inconel right now. That machine, we could be printing in Inconel 625 or 718. Right now we're printing in 316 stainless. So not as high heat as the Inconel. But after watching his last video, I realized that even an Inconel part with his setup probably wouldn't survive. So he created an update video shortly after we printed our first metal one with his own metal version. And he essentially used a similar technique, but he used a filament metal system 
centered it down. <laughs> it uh, it's pretty rough. Okay, I was gonna say how it's that pretty go rough. It's pretty rough, but that's neither here nor there. He put it on his test rig. He fired it up, and it just melted. It has nothing to do with the quality of the print. Has to do with his combustion setup. He's got. I think he's got. He's pumping in oxygen and too much of it. So too much oxygen. It's a the, lean mixture. It's it's lean. And when you're doing <laughs> this, you want it you want it rich. Yeah. Like otherwise your temps go sky high and you're essentially creating an oxy an oxygen torch. Yeah, you need the fuel to cool it down. Yeah. So if we had sent him apart, it would have probably met the same demise. Demise. Just melted. But yeah, so that's the update on the exact metal system. We've been running it literally every day, a new job every night. Yeah. And then the update on the H350, mm-hmm. which is the SAF machine. SAF. Get yep. used to saying it. Uh, if y'all are familiar with the HP system, that is the nearest competitor. Yep. And they call their technology MJF. Yes, multi jet fusion. Yes. So uh, we had a consultation. I don't know if we've mentioned this, but we no. had the Stratasys folks come in here and kind of give us a consultation on uh, our facility. They looked at everything. They've seen uh, kind of what we're dealing with in terms of size and uh, the walls, the constraints of the setup. Yep. And they consulted us on how we ought to set up our H350. So we are working towards that right now. I, speaking of working towards things, built something for our lab. Really? Myself. Oh, yes you did, and it, it came out amazing. Yeah, uh, I, I thought it looked okay, and then everyone's reactions were good, and I was like, okay, maybe I did an all right job. Yeah. I didn't wanna like, anyway, I'll tell you what it was. We had a sink, we have a sink, a nice stainless steel sink with dual tubs. That's what we typically use to rinse off our parts, clean things, and it ha- it's a four-legged sink, and one, the left rear leg was going down into this drainage. Yeah, what so is that thing? Part of our new the lab, floor. we have a wet room where all of our wet <laughs> products will go into, <laughs> both water and solvents and things like that. And uh, there's a floor drain, like an open basin floor drain. Yeah, it's and weird. And the sink had to sit right over top of it, and one of the legs. It's inter- like a square six-inch by six-inch depression in the floor. Yeah. It's like a little basin. I don't know what you call it. There's, I'm sure there's an official name for it. It's an official pain in the butt yeah. is what it is. So you welded up some new legs. You you bent, you bent. put some bends in it. Yeah, took it home to the old bender, the tube bender. Mm-hmm. I happened to have some material that was close to the OD yeah. of these legs, which was like 1.75. And the material thicknesses, the gauges of the material were so different. The material yeah. I had was probably four or five X the thickness. <laughs> yeah. It was 120 wall. And so welding it was interesting. And uh, it turned out great. Yeah. I won't say that I blew through the material once or twice, but I may or may I, not have. I'm curious about tying this back over to printing. Like we have the exact mineral system and it laser centers. So sort of micro welds in a path. And what you're talking about is welding two materials together of different thicknesses, yeah. distinctly different thicknesses. And so it's difficult, right? Because you have to create a melt pool 
between the two metals. Yeah. And that melt pool is like a globule of a globule. A globule. Globule. I didn't. (laughs) And when it solidifies, that's when it's joining the two materials. Yeah. And we're doing that the same way on the exact metal system, but instead of two solid materials, we just have powder particles. Mm -hmm. Which are solid. Which are solid. So we really shouldn't have the same issues with thick and thin, but we might have issues if we have thick and thin and then it cools and the thin will cool at a much faster rate than the thick material. And so you build up internal stresses. And if those stresses are significant enough to warp or bend the material, then you can have issues. Yeah. So nice, you, nice attempt at a tie-in. Hey, that's perfect. It's a perfect it, okay. attempt. Okay. I am excited to experiment with this laser sintering. Yeah, it should be fun. And like you said, it's it is welding, but thankfully we don't have to deal with someone like me trying to manually attach two pieces <laughs> together. Um, but I, yeah, the legs turn out good. Um, we're we're just building. We're slowly yeah. and quickly working as fast as we can. I think the reason why everyone's so impressed with them is that you don't usually see home projects that have bent uh, steel tubing. It's because it's not very common. Like you yeah. go on YouTube, you find people. Even but in that's manufactured YouTube. products. Yeah, you just don't see a lot of bent tubing. It's cheaper to have straights. Yeah. Yeah. So there's three bends in each of these legs. And if we had our Instagram channel, mm-hmm. which is Why don't another we? segue. Why don't we? Did I say Instagram channel? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Our Instagram platform page. Um, page, I guess. If we had it, uh, I would update you all on these little things we've done. But this, this is going to be something we're saying for years. Three years down the road. No, it isn't. Oh. Stop it. It's going to become a joke. Yeah, our Instagram page. Man, Tate and Tyler are slow. Well, here's the thing is I don't feel like we've been slow lately. Like we got this painted in one day. Yeah. This entire room. Those legs were a one night project. And we've been cooking on the little things the, we the have pod, to do. The pod listeners demand we move faster. They're <sighs> demanding it. I can hear them. I can hear them right now. Uh, anyway, so yeah. I think we're making progress. Just we probably bored everyone with all the, the the talk about it, but that's kind of what's new in the lab space. And we will try and get you some visuals to that ASAP. Yeah, I, some should show up. I don't know. Eventually, <laughs> we have a big event next week. It's yeah. called Go You, and it is an annual event for our company. Go University. Okay, Go University. In house, we call it Go You. Go You because we're yeah. lazy. And uh, in past years, everyone in the company would fly to Park City, Utah, be housed in a hotel, and we had a one week of serious learning with zero extracurricular activities. He's being very sarcastic. (laughs) Yeah, it's become famous for two things. We had really good keynote speakers. Yes. Last year, we had Mark Eaton. Yes. He has since passed away, so we feel very fortunate and grateful to have had him at our location, and he was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Uh, A great speaker, and 
hopefully this year, you know, we'll have another great speaker. We've always learned a ton and they go the extra mile to teach us internally. Yeah. They're really trying to maintain our company culture, Mm -hmm. which a lot of effort goes into, but I don't know how much it matters. Oh, it definitely matters. You think? It's one of those things where you take for granted, right? A toxic company culture, you know, and suddenly it matters, right? If the company culture is dreary and you don't want to go into work, like you're going to feel it. It's going to matter. And when things are good, it's super easy to take that for granted. Like I want to come into work or I like the people I work with at least. Yeah. I definitely don't take that for granted. However, I I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know how much you can. I'm I'm sure you can influence it through certain things. Mm -hmm. And I could have a, um, an off air discussion with you about what I think influences that. But, um, I think it's fantastic to see that they try. And I think that helps. Yeah, it helps a lot because whether or not you listen to a speaker like that and you, maybe it's impactful to you, maybe it's not, but the undertone is like, Hey, we're trying, we put value in these types of people and we put value in presenting them to you and giving them a platform. And that alone shows that someone cares, like someone in leadership cares. Yeah. Yeah. And so for the second year, we are having a virtual Go University, which its effectiveness could be (laughs) could be argued and the extracurriculars that it's (laughs) it's not the same, of course, like being in persons is uh, when you're talking about camaraderie, building camaraderie and building relationships and uh, uh, just getting to know each other on a personal basis, it's so much harder to do that virtually, but we do our best. And for a second year, it's going to be virtual and uh, we'll see it in. We started GoU, I think this might be the fifth year we're doing it. I think we did three in person and this might be the fifth year. Uh, But when we started doing it, we were about half the size as an organization. And now that we're, Mid 300 headcount. That's a lot of mid people. 300s. Mid 300s. Yeah. We've been growing a lot. Where do we cover? East well, to West Coast? Where's our. There are some products we span the entire. Uh, entire United States. Like Velo 3D. We sell in every state in the union. Our main products. Our main solutions primary partners, SolidWorks and Stratasys. We are not entirely across the entire U.S. Uh, There is a ton of overlap, but where we're not is like the Northeast. So New England area and sort of the Mideast, like Virginia. Which we don't have any listeners over there anyways. Oh, I highly doubt that. I highly doubt that. I think actually at this point, this is revealing to our listeners, but we have listeners in every U.S. state. Yep. And beyond. And beyond. Yeah. And we had listeners in Greece not too long ago. So shout out to you all. Do you think that was? It could have been Steve. One of our one of our coworkers was on vacation. In Greece. Um, he, but, he, he pumped up the Greece <laughs> listenership. 
So I think there are only like two states in the U.S. that nobody has listened. Really? You, you just said we had listeners in every state. We almost have them in every okay. state. With the exception of two, I think. Do you know what states? It's like Arkansas, I think maybe is one. Really? But we do have listeners in Alabama. Mm -hmm. And I think Maine may be the second. Huntsville, Alabama is a place that is really booming for tech and space. Really? Mm -hmm. Well, we have a ton of listeners in Texas, yeah, which is another one of those type of areas. Mm -hmm. And one of the other places we have a ton of listeners is Michigan. So oh, interesting. I don't know if it's the auto industry that drives that, but thank you all in Michigan for tuning in. And yeah. All right. Well, I have a couple news stories. I want to talk about. I'm listening. Okay. They're actually <laughs> both from, let's go back and, and discuss German excellence. Okay. <laughs> They're both from Germany and they both came out of the Fraunhofer Institute. And I had to look this up because I've seen that name repeatedly over the years. And what always confused me was you would have Fraunhofer and then some three letter acronym. In this case, I have two stories, one from Fraunhofer IWS and one from Fraunhofer IGD. So I had to look up what is Fraunhofer and it's a German network of science and research institutes. So there's something like 93 in different institutes and it's partially funded by the state and the majority of the funding comes from research and um, contract work and things like that. But each of these institutes specializes in a different area. So similar to the network of national labs that we have in the U.S., which have some specialties, but they're dispersed throughout the nation, Germany has Fraunhofer. So there was one news article earlier this week where Fraunhofer IWS, which is the Institute for Material and Beam Technology, brought in a new laser system. And uh, I'm glad I went through and read this article because when you read the title, you get an impression of one thing. And then when you read the article, you realize that the title's a little um, misleading. What, it could be misleading, but when do you, what's the word for hyping something up? Hyperbole. Hyperbole. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway. <laughs> the article Over, overrated overhyped no i don't know fraunhofer iws is testing cbc 3d printing technology that could be up to 1000 times faster that's more or less the title you're like whoa thousand times faster orders of magnitude faster what's the deal here and then you read the article and you realize that okay they brought on a novel uh, beam shaping technology for lasers and they want to develop a platform to use that technology on an in-house printer or in-house laser cutter, et cetera. So it's all theoretical. Nothing's happened. Not even a proof of concept has happened. But the laser technology is pretty cool. And it has some similarities to a technology that we had discussed in an earlier platform. So CBC stands for Coherent Beam Combining. 
And essentially what it does is it shapes the laser. So on our exact metal system, the laser spot is always a circle. Yep. Right? On a more traditional uh, laser system, be it for polymer or metal that uses a galvanometer to direct the laser, that laser spot may turn more oval because the laser's coming down at it at an angle. Right. And it's hitting a 2D plane, which makes the spot size oval. On our system, it's always pointing straight down, but that's neither here nor there. The laser spot shape is always a circle. You can't change that. On our upcoming machine, the Origin machine, it's a DLP system and it's using a projector and it can project and fuse, cure, a entire layer at a time, no matter what the shape is. So this CBC technology sort of combines the two. It takes a laser, high powered laser, and somehow it shapes the spot size to be something other than just a circle, which is pretty cool. It could be square. It could be anything, any shape. Is that right? Yes. Hmm. Yes. I can see it changing into a, you know, a triangle, a square, or something that still has it in a reasonable area. Yeah. I can't see it being diffused into a sh like a... a a hollow shape, for example. Oh, yeah, it can. No. Now, we're still talking about, my impression was it's still a small spot size. Yeah. But it does have shape, and it can have interior uh, voids. So, when Ooh. I say square, it could be like a picture frame. That's heavy. Yeah. It's cool. That could be useful. So, Fraunhofer, is, they, they brought that system on. It's called... Sivan is the company that makes it. It's an Israeli company. And they're calling it dynamic beam shaping. It can adjust the shape, the orientation, so they can spin it. Mm -hmm. And they can also change the focal plane. Wow. Which is cool too. Yeah. And they can do that at, I think it was 50 hertz. So they can change it rapidly. And the institute wants to use this to in investigate maybe making metal printing faster or controlling material properties more accurately or yeah. precise, precisely within the part. Uh, it's pretty cool. That is neat. I don't have much more to say other than the proof's in the pudding. We'll yeah. see once there's a proof of concept or, or them actually printing something or yeah. partnering with someone who will help them print something. So the article that I read indicated that we should hear more in September and December. There's a webinar on September 14th to discuss more. And then they're doing a in-person presentation at a laser conference in December. So we'll see, I'll be keeping an eye on it. But it reminded me of Syrat. Do you remember Syrat? Yes, we, the name sounds very familiar. We discussed this startup company maybe 10 or 15 episodes ago. And they were a group of people out of one of the national labs developing the area printing technology where they were taking a high-powered laser and then funneling it. This, is, this, is, this may or may not be accurate. This is just my memory. Take a fiber laser and instead of shooting it into one fiber, shoot it out into like a ton of different fiber optics that are all pointing down 
at a build trace. So now you're firing tons of lasers at a time and they're printing a whole area at a time. Does this sound familiar? No, I'm not <laughs> going to lie to you. I can't remember. That's okay. The name sounds familiar. It reminded me of this because they're shaping lasers in a different way. The end goal is the same, printing metal faster. Everyone's trying to do that. If companies like SLM, who uh, unveiled a 12 laser system, Velo 3Ds unveiling an eight laser system, there's different ways to take laser sintering, which is the most proven metal printing technology and make it faster. And I like it. They're just being creative. Instead of throwing more lasers at it, at it, which will work, but there's challenges to that. They're getting uh, creative with what what can you do with one laser? I think that's cool. So I looked up Surat to see what they were up to, and it sound it looked like they finalized uh, another round of funding. This is, was a Series B funding. They brought on $41 million. This was at the end of June. And uh, so they have more cash, and... We'll see where they go. Those are your two stories? Oh, the other story. So that was Fraunhofer IWS. Okay. <laughs> now I have Fraunhofer IGD. All right. This is the Institute of Graphic Design. And this ties into something we talked about last episode. So last episode, we talked about voxel our, printing. Our high-speed episode. Yeah. 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 Okay, we mentioned voxel. Which was our most listened-to episode, wasn't it? I don't know. Didn't you, well, didn't you we, tell me that? Well, we broke some daily records. Okay. Which was great. Which I'm not going to read into that because I'm not going to do 15-minute episodes very often. Well, not interested and, and in. I don't know if it was that episode, but it was just oh. overall oh. our episodes got the most daily listens that we've had. Okay. That's cool. Not to toot our own horn. How do people find this? Toot toot. How do people find this show? We, I don't know. I don't know, but thanks for looking for it and thanks for listening to And continuing to listen because we can tell that people continually come back and uh, that's cool. It, it definitely motivates me to keep doing it. Yeah, and get better. Yeah, and get better. Improve. So Fraunhofer IGD, Institute of Graphic Design. Oh, Institute of Computer Graphics, sorry. And it ties into the discussion about voxel printing last week. So do you remember me talking about trialing the software and not having a great way to the uh, voxel print yeah voxel print trialing the voxel print utility in grabcad and explaining that that it expected a layer uh, a stack of 2d images that's what you needed to feed into it and we were trying to use matlab and my lab matlab skills are not the best and so I was just partially successful. And I think I mentioned that there are off-the-shelf software tools to do this. They're prohibitively expensive for us because we're just messing around with it. Yeah. But the premier software tool is called Cuttlefish. And the last time I looked at it, it was something like 70000 a license or something like that. All right. It's, it's a research-grade tool. Yeah. Well, they announced, and it's developed by Fraunhofer, IGD. So it's probably an internally developed tool that then they, they then commercialize and maybe they don't have a huge incentive like to sell it. So they're not going to spin up a sales team, et cetera, et cetera. They're just like, hey, if you guys want to use this, we can use this. And that does happen. Like these companies, these large OEMs develop software tools internally and sometimes they do commercialize them. That's how Katia came around. Really? Yeah. News to me. Yeah. So anyway, a new release came out 
for cuttlefish. It's supposed to improve the voxel printing, and uh, I want to see more. They did it in from a usability standpoint, or from just like this an ease of use standpoint, or just capability. I actually don't know the answer to that. Well, I wish I would have read. It's more. improving. It is improving, and they did it in partnership with Stratasys. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll see something like that become more commercialized. Like all it would take is Stratasys, for example, saying, "Hey, we see a lot of value in this for our customers. Let's negotiate a deal." With Fraunhofer, if we can, let's come up with a more customer-facing, maybe a stripped-down version of this at a at a price point that aligns with our customers, and that's that's how things happen. You know, there are tools that we use that are carry licenses from other companies, even competitive companies like SolidWorks. SolidWorks is built on the Parasolid kernel. So the underlying code, the underlying technology to visualize in, say, a cube or in, and to create that cube in 3D space, the code is called the kernel. In this case, it's the Parasol kernel that's licensed from Siemens. So Siemens owns and licenses the technology that SolidWorks relies on, Autodesk Inventor, and SolidEdge. But Solid Edge is written by Siemens. So it's kind of strange. And there are people out there listening right now that have used one or the other. Yeah. And been in love with one or the other. And they can't believe what you just told them. It's all based on the same stuff. It's all based on the same stuff, but they license it. So different companies might have access to different versions of the technology. And then the companies write the UI. So... If some engineer decides, hey, I think it would be useful to be able to create what we now call a sweep. I want to create a shape and I want to run it along a path. They have to write the code to do that. And and they build on top of the kernel. And that's why all three of those pieces of software work very similarly, where you compare it to something like Magix, which is on an entirely different kernel, has a totally entirely different way of visualizing and creating 3D shapes, and it's all mesh-based, which is great for dealing with STLs, but you can't do solid modeling. And then you bring an STL into a parasolid-based CAD tool, and it's not going to do very well. So out of the gate, there's certain technologies or certain CAD tools that will just simply not be able to handle certain tasks as well as a competitor. Which, speaking of materialize, mm-hmm. we now have. We now have Magics. We have, well, we have, a, we have Magics RP. We have Threematic. We have Structures. We have a bunch of different modules for Magics. Right. And the reason that's important is because now we have, what, three machines that can utilize that software? Yeah. So Magix is pretty well known in the professional additive space. It's been the primary pre-processing tool for SLA and SLS over the past two decades, probably. And Materialize is a large company. They're based in Belgium, so it's another European company. All right. (laughs) They have over 2,000 employees. They're 
they're pretty big. And they operate one of the biggest service bureaus that I'm aware of. And they developed the Magix software. So we will be programming the exact metal system with Magix, the H350 with Magix, mm-hmm. and the Origin. Yep. The Origin machine with Magix. Yep. Well. I'm not anxious to learn. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm, I'm so bothered right now with just having to pick all this up. Yeah. I am grateful, though, mm-hmm. that we have three pieces of software or excuse me, hardware. We have three pieces of equipment that will utilize it. For me, that makes it so much more worth it. And yeah, for sure. I'm the champion of the H350. So Stratasys wants us to assign champions in house. You have to own it. To own a technology. And I got voluntold to own the H350. So I'm I am anxiously awaiting the arrival of our H350 and yeah. the setup so that I can familiarize myself with it cuz right now it's a daunting task. Yeah. But at least we have the exact metal system in house where we can actually start utilizing materialize right away. I'm looking forward to it. HC, HP more or less created a market for that type of technology. So they launched in maybe 2016 would be my guess 2017 somewhere in that range maybe 2015 anyway handful of years ago with the binder jetting polymer technology and there were existing systems there used to be a company called z corp that that used a system like that they were eventually bought by 3d systems there were a couple vendors doing a similar technology but hp is the one that really created the market for it. And when you look at it, it's really hard to compete on on volume. So within a certain build tray, you could create hundreds of unique parts that are near isotropic and made out of materials that are quite durable. So HP launched with nylon. That's what the H350 is launching with. HP has a handful of materials available now. HP including can do color. polypropylene. Co- including polypropylene. Jealous. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. And they can do some pastel colors and things like that. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. So another piece of software that we're learning right now is Entopology. I did my first project in Entopology. I did the awards for next week. I do these awards called Backbone Awards, and they're awarded to people within the organization that don't often see the spotlight yet are so core to our success. The people who help us day in, day out and don't have the opportunity to put their voice on a podcast and and broadcast it and and, uh, get a lot of visibility that way or anyway. So the backbone, the spine is like the root of this, uh, this award, and it's always challenging to come up with something that looks good, that keeps true to the nature of the award. Yeah. A spine itself is sort of ugly. And last year, your model was pretty cool. Yeah, but it, it was not recognizable as a spine. Yeah. I wouldn't say. Um, at least a human spine. So anyway, this year, I came back more to like a human spine 
and did a lattice infill similar to, I mean, not really, but if to the casual observer could look at it and, and if you told him that, hey, this is based off a bone, you'd be like, okay, that looks like the interior of a bone as I know it. And I use it in topology to create that. And I'll create a post on LinkedIn at some point. It's printing right now and, and talking about it. But one of the cool things about Entopology is that one, as an organization, they put down, they put out tons of content. And that's a good thing because their software, if you're just getting started, is a little daunting. And they have these things called workflows. And you can think of them as templates. So imagine if you if you were interested in designing a car in SolidWorks and someone released a part file that you would download and then you would just go through and change some of the features and you get your own car. It doesn't really work that way, right? There's no, it doesn't really work that way. With Entopology, it can work that way because everything is based on this implicit modeling tool and variables and inputs and things like that, they can release files that are reusable workflows. So if you want a certain lattice, you just download that file, input your own shapes as inputs, and you get a lattice in that shape. And I downloaded one of their files that had, it was like a demonstration lattice tool and it had like 20 different lattices so you input one shape and then it would instantly rebuild like 20 different lattices and you would hide and show what you wanted. And I use that as sort of a shortcut. But I can imagine a scenario where someone could make a whole business out of creating these workflows and then just selling them. Sort of like you have, what, what are some software tools you use? Like SolidWorks. Okay, not CAD tools, other software tools. Video editing? Yeah, video editing. So in video editing, they have the concept of templates that you can buy and sell. There's a whole market for templates. Right. Plugins that are technology built on top of the tools. Um, people oh buy and gosh, sell those. This would have been useful with the music. The music stuff. Yeah. Because the software is crazy. Oh, yeah. If I could have bought a template, that would have helped me edit. Exactly. Yeah. So some software tools... There's business opportunities in creating content for the software or technology built on top of the software. I've bought, I've purchased plugins for After Effects, for Illustrator, lots of Adobe products, Premiere. There are some plugin tools for SolidWorks. For example, 8020 used to have a plugin where you would use the Weldments tool to design using the 8020 extrusions, and then it would automatically create a bill of materials and make it easy to order. I, th I think that still exists. And in fact, I think the one I'm thinking of is actually T-Slots. So now I feel bad. Because 8020 is a brand name. T-Slots is a brand name. T-Slots is our customer here in Utah, Futura. And uh, I'm pretty sure they're actually the one I'm thinking of. But we I, get the, I actually yeah, think both, the of them, picture, both of them have that. And it's just a way it encourages people to uh, design using their tools and then makes it easy to order. I think McMaster has a plugin. If they don't, they should. At least one thing that McMaster does, McMaster Car, is they make it easy to download SolidWorks files yeah. from their website, which encourages you to design with them. And then you're, you already know 
the exact part you want. You're not going to go shop for a different bearing or a different. Well, they do a good job of not listing the manufacturer or the yeah. manufacturer part number. Yeah. So you do end up utilizing McMaster's parts once I, you've included them in a model. I guess that's a good point. If you're not paying attention, you don't realize this, but McMaster's just, they're just like a broker for yeah. parts, right? But they're a great one. Oh, yeah. I bet a good percentage of our listeners have been to McMaster's website. And if you haven't, go to it. Yeah. McMaster it car. Yeah, we're making it sound like a trap, but it's like, it's a brilliant trap and it's a convenient trap. Oh, it yeah. It really is. Like, it makes life easier as a, a, a designer of assemblies industrial assemblies yeah for sure it also is just good to familiarize yourself with what sort of off-the-shelf components are out there I mean, when i emerged from engineering school and i landed my first job and i was designing systems i was not aware of all of the different types of sensors uh, motion actuators all sorts of things that were available to me and at least this particular job, and I kind of suspect a lot of engineering jobs are like this, designing was more or less browsing through catalogs, using as many off-the-shelf components as possible, and then just designing the parts to hold them in place or connect them one to the other. It was sort of like Legos in that way, where you mostly use off-the-shelf Legos, but every once in a while, you have to design your own Lego. Yeah. You try to avoid that. I still have a Masumi catalog from 2011. Yeah, you offered it to me the other day. <laughs> oh, like, I don't want that when we were moving. <laughs> it's like, throw it away. The thing's like 2,000 pages. Oh, my gosh. I am going to throw it away. Which You haven't yet is what still surprises me. Well, it's sitting in my old office, along with all my other books that I'm going to have to donate. Yeah. Because I'm running out of space. How are we doing on time? We're at 50 minutes. Okay, I'll say I have a couple things. I'm going to save them for the next episode. Okay. I want to talk a, bit, a little bit about hobby level printing and making the transition. I know we've talked about it before and we knew that we would talk about it again, but I've had probably three relevant meetings in the last two weeks that maybe will help someone in similar situation. You know, all we talk about is industrial generally. We don't spend a lot of time geeking out over Prusa upgrades. Yeah. You know, like, oh, my ball screw is an extra millimeter larger. You know, we don't, we're not doing that. If a ball screw is a one millimeter larger than it should be, ooh, that's, that's bad news. Hey, that's a big upgrade for some people. <laughs> so, oh, I, just, uh, okay. It's still, the, it's still the size it should be, but it's larger. Yeah, I've had the diameter I have a bigger I've ball. Had conversations I have a bigger ball screw than you do. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, we. Have, <laughs> how do I get back on track? So I've had a customer meeting with someone recently that challenged my knowledge of our ball screw diameters. Yeah. And I'll just give you the. What machine do we have that has a ball screw? All of them. On the Z stage. Oh, on the Z stage. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so you know, he he really wanted to dive deep into are the, they ball screws? the anatomy. Yeah. I think they they're are. lead screws. No, they're ball. Ball mm, screws. I don't think that's true. Look it up. 
Okay. Trust me. Okay. I, trust. Don't trust ooh. me. Actually, don't trust me. Go look it up. I actually need to ask myself, can I trust you? If you have to ask that question, I feel bad. <laughs> I haven't done my job. So, yeah. But part of this is learning to trust me. So, go go look at it. Mm. Okay. Finish your story and I'm going to sit here and ponder on this. Well, it's not a story. This is just, uh, I was challenged to go deeper into the anatomy of our printer and ultimately came to the conclusion that this stuff doesn't matter to us because so much of the proof of it is the functionality. Yeah. Everyone is after successful prints at the end of the day, regardless of if you're hobby level or not. We're just all after successful prints. And the more industrialized you get with that process, the more you quit caring about the nitty gritty and the hows and the whys. Yeah. And more just like, give me a good part. Right. And over the last two and a half years of me being at Go Engineer and utilizing these industrial machines, the more I realize like companies are willing to pay premium for a reason. Yeah. Like the, it's not just cause like no one wants to just spend more on a printer. It's the worst when you consider the price difference, you know, it's hard to imagine something being worth that until you've experienced it. So next episode, we'll talk a little bit more about the experiences that I've had recently. And I went on a cool uh, tour in a facility that's not far from here that you didn't even know about. I haven't told you about it. Really? Uh, it was off the clock. Yeah, wow. it was it was kind of a cool tour. I have a buddy that that got a job at a facility near us and he took me on a full tour. Oh, cool. That's way cool. Yeah, um, but let's let's revisit this a little bit. Revisit what? I want to talk a little bit about knowing the details of the machine. To us, that's for next episode. <sighs> it's OK. Hey, the fact that you want it so bad means that so do some of the listeners. And that's just a great teaser. All right. We're getting what, better. That's what, what size is the ball screw on your mill at home? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. In fact, I haven't even installed it. Still wow. haven't installed it. But I would say it's probably between 10 and 14 mm. millimeters. Mm. Just a wild guess. No, a little stick. Just a tiny little, a little guy. tiny stick. But it's long. <laughs> so I, I the ball screw don't... on my mill at home. Yeah. I think is like 35 millimeters. Holy moly. Yeah, that, well, your mill is huge. Yeah. Mine's a desktop CNC router. I know. I know. Yours is like a monster. Is it a Haas? What no. is it? It's a Lagoonmatic. Okay. But it's sized like a VF2, a Haas VF2, same size. So yeah, it's a big boy. No kidding. So yeah, and we're talking totally different classes. Mine is essentially built of 3D printer quality components. Yeah. Stepper motors, et cetera. Yours is not in Mine, the same league. Mine's a mid-90s CNC machine. And uh, so it was state-of-the-art at the time. Mm -hmm. It's It has some age on it. But uh, I redid the control system. That's really what ages the most. The The actual casting and... All of those components, pretty, yeah, pretty high quality. But it actually, it's still on ways. It doesn't have linear guides. It doesn't have guide rails. It has ways, like an old bridge port does. Okay. We've got linear guide rails on our machines too, which yeah. you probably don't trust me about. 
So you're just going to have to go look. I trust it. The little, the tiniest linear rails that I've seen are on the exact middle system for the, uh, the scanner assembly, the laser scanner assembly. That thing whips around so fast. You have to reduce the uh, inertia of it as much as possible. So they have little tiny components, little tiny linear bearings, little tiny linear rails. They're probably like five millimeter rails. You know what we haven't done? What's that? Sorry, this is a total subject change. Our episode was so short last week that we didn't do the videos, the YouTube channel. Oh, okay. Let's finish with that. Let's finish with that. I had one that I watched the other day. YouTube of the week. YouTube of the week. That's right. Is that what it is? Have we even come up with an official name? And I've I've bumped into this guy's videos a few times, and I always find myself laughing. They're pretty funny. Do you have one? Uh, off the top of my head? Yeah. Um, I have to think about it. Okay. Well, I'll tell you with this Actually, guy's. I do have one. Okay. No, I don't. <laughs> Did you forget it's too, it? Or it's you too don't popular. Share it's too it? popular. It's too. Who cares if it's too popular? Someone out there hasn't seen it or hasn't bumped into it. Just say, I know because you made fun of me already because I shared a channel that everyone already knows. It's too popular. Just say it, please. Mm, no, I don't want to. Go, go with yours. Well, I need to make sure I'm going to tell you the right channel. Okay. That's okay, part of the, that's part of the reason it. why I didn't want to change mine. I found it. I wanted to change mine. Okay, go ahead. I don't know. This guy's got 622 videos. Whoa. He is a pretty darn good content creator. He's very um, kind of old school, but the channel is Ave. Oh, yeah. A-V-E. A-V-E. Yeah. Capital A, lowercase v, capital E. <laughs> and this guy is hilarious. Oh, man. You know how old guys talk and they kind of have those cool old sayings that you're like, yeah. you've heard them before, but like old guys can just string them together and they're just amazing. This guy has those, but they're 100% original. He makes up everything on the fly and he mixes up words on purpose. Mm hmm just to get a rise out of people. I find it so funny. His his videos are awesome. The content's good. Uh, but that's the channel I wanted to share. All right. That's good. I actually had a dream about him within the past <laughs> one or two weeks. <laughs> I, I swear to you. Oh, my gosh. In, why? In my dream, he appeared to me. I've never seen the guy's face. I never I've only have seen either. his hands. He's a mystery. No one knows what he looks like. Except for you. But in my dream, came to you in a dream, he appeared. I swear uh, to you. Uh, why? Why did he come to you? I don't remember. So this dream was useless. Other do you than want to, you got do you to want see to know how I like. pictured him? Please. Did he have a roundabout haircut? He had no hair. No hair. Like who's, no eyebrows either? Who's, who's the guy no in the hair? Adams family with the light bulb in his mouth? Uncle Lester? Yeah. That's what he looked like to me. No, is it Fester? Fester. Uncle Fester. Uncle Fester. He was a Canadian Fester. Oh my gosh. He's great. He is great. And I'm surprised you like him because he's Canadian. I know. I Just like despite him. Despite it. He's so knowledgeable though, because when you actually listen to him and get past some of his everything, he's very knowledgeable. Oh, he's awesome. He Super does, down to earth, humble guy. He does great tool teardowns, which kind of plays into what you were talking about earlier, like getting into the nuts and bolts of it. Cause I was going to ask, like if someone challenges you on what's the inside of your printer look like, like 
what other tools in their life do they take apart and they know all of the details of? Like, do they take apart their impact wrench and they know the exact mechanism that's used to hammer? <clears throat> hammer? Yeah. No, they don't. For printer, people treat printers differently, which it's, it is what it is, but people don't treat printers as tools as much as, I don't know, what's the word? I, no, I totally get what you're saying. I think with projects. The, the reason I found him is because of that exact reason. Uh, I found him recently, why I stumbled on his channel again. And that and the fact that we have this little section in our pod mm -hmm. was a one-way bearing. Oh, I, yeah. I wanted to just look into how one-way bearings work. And yeah. I've seen them. I've felt them. I've never torn one apart to actually see, which is fun, like on some tools. But how often do you actually tear apart a bearing? I remember yeah. seeing a ball bearing for the first time yeah. when I was a kid. It was the crank bearings on my bicycle. Yeah. They were all busted up. And when I took it apart, the balls all fell out. And mm -hmm. I was like, how does this work? I thought it was so cool. But the one-way bearings, at least this this one, I think it's called a sprog. But okay. they, they're on just a slight angle. And when you backspin it, those angles bind on the inner race. And that's kind of what, what stops it from backspinning. Anyway, I was very uh, curious to see more about this. Hmm. I'm taking apart my BSA, my British Small Arms Victor 500 motorcycle. Ooh. Early 70s motorbike. It has a one-way bearing on it? I believe the Kickstart has a one one way bearing. Oh. Um, I may be wrong there. They call it they call it a needle bearing, so it may or may not be. But I'm pretty sure the Kickstart has well, a one way bearing. A needle is the shape of the roller inside. Yeah. So you have a ball bearing that's a sphere. A needle bearing is like a cylinder. Yeah. So you have line contact instead of point contact. Right, and that may be. Um, even the sprogs, they're just on one half of the bearing. You still yeah. have the ball bearings on the other half or perhaps hmm. a needle bearing. We have a one-way needle bearing in the shop. We use it for tightening or loosening the Tormach collets. All right. So depending on what direction, what side you put the right. tool into. You could be tightening or loosening. Yeah. Anyway, that's my channel for the day. If you're right. interested in one-way bearings, he has a video on it. Or if you just want to listen to this guy speak, he's hilarious. If you want to see someone abuse a five-axis Haas machine. <laughs> he does? He does. All right. Somehow he used, I think he got, he used his Patreon money to buy a five-axis Haas. Having like no machining experience or anything. <laughs> oh, oh it's, it's wild. Okay. It's wild. Cool. All right. My YouTube is Heavy D Sparks. I hate, I hate that channel. I... I like love, it, but I hate it. I love to hate him. Me too. You too? Yeah, but I actually, I started clicking not interested uh -huh. in his videos because they keep popping up with all the other things that I watch. And yeah. I'm like, I don't want to watch this. I don't want, <sighs> they're local. It, they're local here to Utah. And he's been doing a lot of blog type videos. Vlog. Vlog, yeah, vlog type As videos. As the kids call them. Mm -hmm. Doing recoveries of like, abandoned the, the old boat in the jordan river did you see that one i haven't seen that one okay um old heavy equipment up in the mountains so he'll like fly a helicopter up in the mountains check it out come back with his big fifth wheel and excavators and pull them out loaders and stuff like it's actually really interesting yeah it is interesting but i love to hate that guy i i have friends in fact one of my old roommates works with him right now. Yeah. 
they're good guys. They're cool mm-hmm. dudes. They really don't know as much about cars as they put on. Yeah. Um, especially in their early days. Yeah. Uh, that's the inside track. Uh-huh. Um, but I watched his video on his defense of him wrecking everyone out of the Cletus McFarland had that okay. um, Crown Victoria race. Yeah. Where, what do they call it? The, the Crown Vic 500 or something like that. Anyway, Heavy D crashed in everyone out of the race. And it, it was a retaliation maneuver. And he retaliated on the wrong car. Oh, and he ends up taking all the wrong people out of the race. Shoot. So he retaliated against the wrong guy. And he created a whole vlog about him defending himself. <laughs> and it's the worst defense yeah. ever. It's like. Here's what I want to see. At the defend. end of it, he's like, yeah, I did the wrong thing. But I also. I also created a lot of viewership and yeah. and action. And that's what everyone came for, right? Like he's saying, I'm wrong, but I'm right. Yeah. And you still I, liked it. I want to see him defend. He put his name behind the Nicola Badger. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. He, Cause he's, which was a he's, fake car. He's personal friends with Trevor Milton. The now indicted disgraced Trevor Milton. Also a local person. Yeah. <laughs> and he put his name behind that badger. He put his brand behind the badger, and it was a vaporware vehicle. And Nikola, this was part of the the uh, come down, like the just toppling of the, the company's reputation when I was, okay, their trucks, they were saying things about their trucks that weren't exactly true, but they were also promoting these products that, really weren't in existence a lot of smoke and mirrors yeah and so they had a partnership with gm uh, to create the batteries for these uh for the badger truck and there was nothing but renders the renders were awesome gm was going to help with production yeah that's right these that's right that's right and uh he put he put his name behind it and i haven't seen him come out and say hey i shouldn't have done that (laughs) he might somewhere he might he does enjoy defending himself I know I have searched because does he do a good job? Not so good. <laughs> if you judge him off of the, yeah. defending himself on the 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 Crown Vic five hundred, but he has cool adventures. He does. And he gets up. They have fun. They have fun, and so that's why I enjoy watching some of them. Like I'll they, skip through them. They joke around with their their coworkers a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of internal banter. It's fun. Heavy D sparks. All right. Okay, so I guess we can wrap that up now. Cool. Well, thanks for joining today. If you like the channel, subscribe. Uh, Come back and listen a second time. Every once in a while we get boring and every once in a while we have a good time. So if you just listen to a whole episode, you'll find the little nuggets you're looking for, I hope. Yeah. And if you feel like you got something out of the show, just share it with a friend. Yeah. I think that's fair. Good episode. Take care. See ya.